0: welcome to beyond bim in today's episode we dive deeper into the topic of psychology and technology i'm really excited to bring this interview particularly as this is a fellow researcher who i've had the pleasure to collaborate with we looked into the future work and how to incorporate machine vision with the working from home setup in order to measure psychological impact of the home work environment. A link to this research will be in the description below. But as we progressed that research, a beacon of insight was always present. Namely, on the psychological impact of such technology on workers. What do people intuitively want from technology? To find out more on this, I sat down to discuss the future of technology that pays attention to human psychology with Dr. Denise Wilkins. Denise is a social scientist working in the Future of Work group at Microsoft Research at Cambridge. Her research takes a mixed-methods, human-centered approach. Day-to-day, she works alongside machine learning researchers, software engineers, designers, and other social scientists. More broadly, Denise's research examines how technology can help groups collaborate for positive change. To hear more on this and beyond, let's listen to what Denise has to say on psychology and technology. So Denise, you have this incredible crossover in expertise and knowledge from psychology to psychological research methods. And of course, now you're in the midst of the IT world and the IT domain. Can you tell us more about what got you to this stage in your career as a researcher at Microsoft?
1: Yeah, so I guess um, sort of going back to when I was younger and my first undergraduate degree, I was always interested in psychology And how humans understand the world, how they think and act in the world. So, I think that is what started me on my journey of psychology and digging deeper into psychological research methods as a way to understand human behavior. And then, really, I got into the uh, IT world or looked to explore digital things through my PhD. So, I did a PhD in social psychology and I became interested in how activists on, uh, use social media um, to engage in collective action and to stimulate social change. So through my PhD I looked at a whole host of different ways that social media might have an effect and might influence how people engage in activism. And really my interest developed from there and the topics that I've examined they've changed slightly over the past few years. So I worked on a project where I looked at blockchain and peer-to-peer energy markets as a way to help people engage in a decarbonisation process. And now I'm looking at machine learning and what that means for how people use knowledge in the workplace. But I think throughout this, I've always had a focus on people, um, whether that's the end users of the technology or even broader society who might be affected by new technologies.
0: I think that when you say that actually it touches upon people, this is kind of the whole movement into human-centric design of, of everything from IT systems to buildings. Um, did you actually envisage when you started out your career in the domain of psychology that it would actually become so important and impactful in the world of IT? Yeah,
1: so this is something I really didn't know and I really didn't understand or imagine So I think for me, psychology has always been about people. And as a psychologist, when I've examined technology, I've always taken a person first perspective. So I feel that notion of being human centred was just really the natural way that I approached my work and my research. And I feel like it's only been recently um, at Microsoft, especially, but also in the prior project where I was really excited to work with multidisciplinary teams of software engineers and computer scientists and designers, where I realized actually it was a whole movement in the field of design. And also it was really a novel way of approaching uh, technology challenges in terms of putting people and and humans and users in the center. Uh, So I think that was um, quite surprising to me that perhaps this was so new and it it perhaps wasn't the default way of working. Uh, Whereas for me, and when I've conducted my research as a psychologist, I've always put um, humans in the centre because I think that was just how I've I've been trained. So yes, it really wasn't anything that I imagined, but I think naturally coming from social sciences broadly and, and psychology in particular, you're really trained to think about people and how they want to engage and interact with the world, whether that's how they're using technology or whether that's how they're engaging in other spaces and other places.
0: I guess because you've now got this experience of seeing what it's like um, within the world of Microsoft, would you say that um, engineering sectors in general have been oblivious to the importance
1: of psychology? Is this something new, essentially? I think that's a really difficult question to answer. I don't have a vast amount of experience working with lots of different engineering groups. I think I've been really lucky because the engineers that I've personally worked with, they have understood the importance of psychology and taking a human-centered perspective. I think if they hadn't then I would never have uh, been invited to be on on their teams. Um I think maybe on a on a broader perspective as People who are creating technology and, and people who are designing innovative solutions. I think there's always space for people to be, become more aware of uh, people's needs and what and what the end user will want in that specific circumstance. So I think that's always very important for projects. Um, But I don't really think I have a sense of whether sort of engineering as a field has been oblivious to it because that really hasn't been my experience. The engineers that I've worked with, they've been uh, very uh, sensitive and eager to learn about what people want and how they can design systems that are really effective uh, for their users.
0: I mean, that's great then. I think that perhaps maybe a lot of the listeners would probably be wondering, so how does it Come into practice. How do you combine psychology and technology in the industry currently? Um, so, could you just give us examples of how does that happen in practice, and then where do you see that changing in the future?
1: Yeah. So maybe I can give two concrete examples. I can start off by talking about the project where I was looking at uh, blockchain and peer-to-peer energy markets. So that really was a multidisciplinary project and. On the one hand, we had software engineers and computer scientists who were creating the blockchain platform. and So they would do the engineering, they would do the coding, and they were creating this innovative technology. Um, but in terms of the human-centred work, um, I really wanted to understand how the people who would be using this system wanted to engage with it. So we had questions about... You know, is this really just an economic activity for people like eBay, for example, where people might be looking to sell electricity for the highest price or perhaps do they have other motives? Do they have other wants from the technology and do they have other values? And we were really interested to find out in that project that people saw peer to peer electricity trading as a mechanism to be self-sufficient and also to advance their sustainability goals uh, we found that they were very interested in building community relations with other people in their local area and also being able to give back to their local area on a financial level, but also in terms of uh, mind space and helping people in their local area understand the value of renewable electricity. Um, so I think that understanding we wouldn't have gained if if the team had just built the uh, platform, the technical platform. And it also had an impact on the way that the platform was designed because we began to think about ways that we could help people in local communities trade in small groups. Uh, But also what would that mean to enable them to have a wider linked up infrastructure with people across the country to make sure that this electricity trading in local areas was really feasible. So hopefully that gives you a sense of what it looked like on, on that team and And if you think about the future, then, based on what you've just described,
0: how do you foresee that changing in the near future with the types of activities that you were engaged with in this project?
1: Well, I think in the future as a discipline and as technology creators, it's something that I would love to see more of. Um, I would love to see much more Uh, people conducting user research and and taking this human-centred approach, it would be great if kind of all technology from the beginning could be designed in really close collaboration with the people that we're imagining are using that technology. Um, And that's very much uh, something that the project that I'm doing at Microsoft Research um, and how that's playing out at the moment. Um, So here we've got, again, a a strong human-centred arm of the research Um, although we're developing, uh, new technologies to help people use knowledge in their organizations. So there's a there's a technical aspect of, of how that technology is being developed. Um, we're also accompanying that with human-centered research. So we're going and we're speaking to people who work in large organisations to understand how they use knowledge at the moment and what are their aspirations for new technologies. And then we're wanting to kind of feed that back into how the technology is being developed and designed. So I, I hope that in the future this continues. Um, Um, And perhaps teams that don't have such a human centered approach will start to think about how they can engage with social sciences and really engage with their users to understand how they can develop platforms that are effective and meet their users needs. And also uh, technologies that are really responsible in terms of their larger impact on society.
0: Yeah, I think that nicely leads on to the next question, because we inevitably have a lot of skeptics who do obviously want to reemphasize the responsibility of technology providers and service providers. So some skeptics may worry about technology being too invasive in learning about our emotions or things that we might value. Sometimes this is referred to as getting under the skin as well, but this is, you can see that the, the view is quite opposed to this, these types of techniques. So what would you say in regards to these types of skepticisms or doubts?
1: I actually think they're a really good thing. Um, I think having that critical approach to the technologies that we're creating is necessary. I think one question is to understand, well, is this technology really needed? Is it really wanted? What's the added value to users? I think with a lot of technologies that are being designed at the moment, perhaps we can see an uptick in terms of the surveillance that the users um, are under and also perhaps the kind of insights that we might in gain from the users when we pull together lots of different data sources so i think as creators of technology we have a, a responsibility to really understand that that those um additional data points and that uh deeper level of understanding really is going to provide additional value to the users and then there's another aspect of this in terms of trying to communicate to users exactly what's happening so that the way that their data is being used is very transparent that they do have informed consent about that and they can choose to disengage if they don't want to so I think one of the things that I've learned from my research is that people do have different levels of comfort when it comes to using technology and, and in the end I really believe that technology should serve people and it should serve the users so um, I think there is a massive uh, sense of responsibility that we have as researchers to to give our users voice and then as uh, creators and designers of technology to really respect what they're saying and try to incorporate their desires in the technology that we're building.
0: I guess you're probably seeing that that's, that is really changing a lot of the technologies that are being developed.
1: I think that technology is becoming more complex. Um, I think that there are lots of new technologies that everyday folk um Struggle to understand because they're not experts, so i 'm thinking about my current project, which uses artificial intelligence. Um, most people don't really understand what that means, and they don 't really understand how it works and I felt like it was very similar with the blockchain technology as well. People heard stories about Bitcoin, but they didn't really know what that meant for them. so I do think it 's a challenge, and I think it becomes increasingly as important as technology becomes more pervasive, it becomes more Um, complex and also these technologies are also becoming more autonomous so they're learning um, and they are they are making decisions that affect people's lives so yeah I do think that we do have an increasing level of responsibility to make sure that that technology is being designed responsibly and it's going to have a positive impact on users and broader society as a whole.
0: And you mentioned at the start that you're looking into, I mean, just now you mentioned that you're looking into machine learning and AI. So what type of research are you embarking upon right now in that context? And what are some of the key research questions that you're looking into?
1: So at the moment, I'm uh, trying to talk to people from large organizations and really get a foundational understanding of how they Uh, think about knowledge, how they work with knowledge and the value of knowledge for their work. Um, And then I'm trying to uh, generate insights that can inform the design of new uh, user experiences that are built around knowledge. So I think there are actually a number of different research questions um, that I'm asking. And some of those are just those foundational research questions. Um, How are people using knowledge at the moment? And you know, even as we switch to remote working and and new models of working, I think that age-old question, it it does change. Um, And then some of the questions are more uh, practical in terms of generating feedback uh, for design concepts or prototype systems that might be um, being designed. So yeah, we've really got that that, that wide focus at the moment, Um, but it's all focused on how people are using knowledge for work and I think it's really important because knowledge is one of those fundamental resources that makes work possible.
0: And since you're focusing on knowledge and obviously your your background stems in psychology and now you're with trying to focus within the domain of information systems and technologies, given that you started out from a completely different field but are now applying it in uh, a very applied context, basically, what you're doing is applied research. What advice would you give to maybe other research who might want to make an impact in their field, specifically with applied research?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that researchers can do is try to look for opportunities to make connections with people who are in applied fields. Um, so for me... I feel like there are many ways that my work is very similar in terms of what I was doing in an academic setting compared to what I'm doing at Microsoft Research Um, but I I also think there are differences and part of that is about the people that I'm working with so when I was in a psychology department I was working with other psychologists um, and I was talking to other psychologists but you know, the people that I really wanted to be talking to were people who were developing and designing technology. So I feel that now that I'm in Microsoft, those are the folks that I'm able to talk to every day. So I think that's really exciting. I think people can perhaps make those connections in different ways, for example, by looking at different conferences that they might want to go to, or perhaps uh, reaching out to folk who are in other departments to find out if you can give a talk. Um, So I think essentially looking at how we can have kind of cross-disciplinary collaborations um, and also looking for different organisations who might be interested in in your expertise. I think those are perhaps two places that uh, people can start if they're looking to try and make that impact in an applied setting. Thank you
0: for tuning in to listen to Beyond BIM podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more from our latest episodes, then you can visit Beyond BIM, which is available on SoundCloud and iTunes and all the other major podcast providers.